0: Father, thank you for the reality that you are love. And thank you that you want to give us freedom. Freedom on a deeper and bigger level than we've yet experienced. Lord God, I pray that our hearts would be open to accept that gift that comes through Jesus. Please speak to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. He had a beautiful mansion, it was set on a hill, and he asked the architect to to make it so that the guests who would come would would see all of the good things about the home. They would see the the beautiful, the grand things, the the things that would be appealing, that that would be uh, most admirable as to his character. And he said, put the other things behind the scenes. And so you imagine he would, he would entertain hundreds of guests, and they, there was a constant flow of guests to his mansion. And as they came into his mansion, they would, they would be treated to an extravagant feast. Near his chair, something interesting would happen. There was, there was a, a hole in the wall with a, a, a cabinet door that he would take a, a used bottle of wine that was fully drunk, and he would set it inside, and he would close that cabinet, And then a little while later, he would open it up and he'd pull out a full bottle of wine and he'd set it out for his guests. The same thing would happen with fresh plates of food. They would appear and and guests didn't see how or where they came from, but, but suddenly there was more extravagant food for them to get to enjoy and to feast upon. How did this happen? We'll get back to that. But what do we celebrate today? Besides the Sabbath, awesome thing to celebrate. We'll talk about that. What do we celebrate today? Well, why is July 4 special for the United States of America? How many of you would say it's because, uh, of needing freedom? That, that, we, that we gained our freedom on July 4? Have some hands, hands raised? Alright. How many of you would say the specific event that was celebrated, that we celebrate on July 4 is the signing of the Declaration of Independence? Right, Most everybody knows that the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4 of 1776, except for that it wasn't signed on July 4 of 1776. Did you know that? It was voted on July 2 of 1776 by the Second Continental Congress for the very first time. But there were some changes, edits, that needed to be done. And and those edits were approved on July 4, which is why we celebrate in its final form, the Constitution of the United States. But the signing of the Declaration of Independence, I hate to break it to you, on July 4, didn't take place until August. Sometimes history looks one way, but in reality, there's some deeper things that we might miss as we look at history. I love the Declaration of Independence. It is beautiful and powerful, and we can't I believe really appreciate today without reading especially the first few lines that have become so dear that have made America what it is it was called the american experiment it was something that had never been tried before and it has changed the world in powerful and beautiful ways and we're thankful for that it says this we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. It's beautiful. It's, It's founded on this principle that, hey, Everybody can recognize the fact that God created every person. Every person is of value. They're created equal and they have undeniable rights to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And then it goes on to say, and and, and they shouldn't be governed by some king who's oppressing them and forcing them to obey, but instead, it should be their consent to be governed. And so they go on in this Declaration of Independence, to list all of the ways that King George III had totally uh, lost their confidence and they no longer consented to be governed by King George III. It's such a beautiful piece of, of literature and, and written and it, by a guy who invited a lot of guests over to his mansion. You know who that was? Who was it? Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson penned it, but here's something interesting that, that was in one of uh, the the drafts for it that, that Congress ended up taking out of the Declaration of Independence. Right. So this is uh, from Smithsonian Magazine. It says, "It says this from the uh, sorry in his original draft of the Declaration in soaring, damning, fiery prose, Jefferson denounced the slave trade." As an execrable commerce, this assemblage of horrors, a cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty. As historian John Chester Miller put it, the inclusion of Jefferson's strictures on slavery and the slave trade would have committed the United States to the abolition of slavery. Wow, that was almost right there in the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson saw it. He said, hey, everybody's created equal with the unalienable rights. They deserve to have liberty. And this was almost in the Declaration of Independence. But it wasn't. You know, in the Bible, there's a story that reminds me of the Declaration of Independence. There's multiple of them, but think back to when the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. Think about what it would have been like to be a slave for 400 years. That's all that your family had known. Well, I shouldn't say exactly 400 years. We don't know the exact time frame when they began to be enslaved, but but for generations, we presume, all you knew was slavery. Wake up in the morning you didn't have an option. You got a whip to your back. You picked up bricks. You you, or you made bricks for these monolithic uh, statues that were being created to honor the Egyptians. This, this was the life of an Israelite. They were defined by making bricks. And, and when God came to try to deliver them to get them out of their slavery, things only got worse. You remember when Moses came? And he begins to try to, hey, I'm going to set you, God's going to set you free and I'm going to go talk to Pharaoh. So he goes and talks to Pharaoh and then Pharaoh says, oh yeah, you guys are lazy, huh? Well, now collect your straw and make your quota of bricks. That'll keep you from wanting to get this liberty that you're talking about. And so they began to complain to Moses, this is terrible. We can't keep up with this. And and they were beaten and they were totally mistreated. And all they knew was every morning you woke up seven days a week. You spent all of your time trying to get by in life, trying to make enough bricks so you didn't feel a whip on your back. That was the life of an Israelite. But God stepped in when they were like, hey, okay, Moses, go away. We don't want you anymore. God God didn't care that they, they were like, we'll stay as slaves. But he said, I'm going to rescue you. I love that about God. He 's in the business of rescuing us, even when we 're not quite ready to be rescued. He'll do everything possible to pull you out of the mess that you may have gotten yourself into, and so he, he sends the plagues on Egypt, and then that beautiful deliverance happens where they're up against the red sea and and God works in the most dramatic and beautiful way that he didn 't have to do, but he wanted to build their faith in who He was, and He splits away through the Red Sea, they walk through on dry land, and they are now fully free from slavery. And what is one of the first things that God does after they were freed from slavery? He takes them to Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, He gives them what I believe is like the Constitution. And embedded in the Constitution was this beautiful declaration of independence. Just turn there with me in in your Bibles. It's recorded in two places in the Bible. Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 where Moses is retelling to the Israelites children what had happened. Exodus chapter 20, and we'll start in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's the whole foundation for why he's giving them uh, this law, these these 10 commandments, is the fact that, hey, you have been delivered out of slavery. And they had totally forgotten about this beautiful law of love that God had, had, had taught them from the very beginning. And, and they had totally just become consumed with trying to get by as slaves. And now they're free. And they're trying to figure out what life is all about. And so he gives them this law. It's about freedom. And then it goes on to say this. We're going to skip down to the fourth commandment specifically. It says, remember the Sabbath day... To keep it holy. So he says, remember the fact that something was given to you in the past and, and you forgot it because you've become so absorbed with this life of slavery and you're, you're trying to make ends meet. You're burdened down. And I want you to remember something beautiful in your life. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Okay, I know we know this. We're Seventh-day Adventists. But can you just for a second think what this feels like to a slave? You now have a new master, and he's he's laying down the guidelines for your life. All you know is that you had to work endless hours making bricks for some tyrant. And now you have a new master. What is he like? Who is this being? Do you really want to serve him? Do you really want to love him? And here's what he says. He says, look, I want for you to work six days. Okay, hang on a second. There's seven days in the week. What comes next? Imagine what this feels like to a recently freed slave, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Can you imagine the burden that just rolls off your shoulders? Are you serious? This God is that good that he's just given me 24 hours that I'm not allowed to work. Okay, that's a big burden, God. You mean I can't make bricks on this seventh day of the week? Man, tough guy you are. God's given him this gift and saying, hey, I'm inviting you to have the recognition that I created everything. All men are created equal with unalienable rights. I want you to recognize me as the creator. And to take a day to build that relationship with me, to have this opportunity to get to know what kind of God of love that I am. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses is telling to the descendants of those who have been in the wilderness for 40 years, uh, he's telling them exactly what the Ten Commandments are all about and what God said to them. But notice the only difference in num- in uh, sorry Deuteronomy chapter 5, if you flip over to Deuteronomy, these are... The last sermons of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5, again at the beginning of it, in verse 6, it says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The, the ground for the law of God was saying, hey, look, why I want you to accept that, that you should trust me in, in this beautiful law of love that I've designed for the universe. The reason that I want you to trust me to, you might say, like the, The uh, Declaration of Independence says to consent to be governed by me. That's the way God operates. He invites us to consent to his government. He he says, look, remember, I delivered you out of slavery. You were asking me to stop, and I wouldn't stop. (laughs) I was determined to save you. And I brought you out, and now here is how you continue in that beautiful experience of freedom as you get to know me more and more. Now look at the one difference in this is in the fourth commandment. Verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Again, there's that burden just rolling off of them. It again goes through the fact that, hey, this is for everybody. It's not just for you, but it's for your cattle, your ox. It's for your servants. It's for the foreigner within your gates. Every single person. I want to experience rest on day in anybody you have influence over. I want to experience rest. And then verse 15. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Actually, I should read the end of verse 14 because it emphasizes something different. It says, nor your stranger who is within your gates in order that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord God brought you out from there by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day holy. So say, hey, you were brought out, you were given liberty, and here's the deal, I want for you to spread that liberty to other people. Your slit, your servant may not understand about the Sabbath, but I want you to be, them to be able to appreciate this day of rest. You don't force people to work on this day. I want for you to treat people like I treat you. And you can see why later on, like we read in the beginning, that that Paul writes to the Galatians. And I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful book that's teaching them that their liberty comes from Christ. That Christ has set them free. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to... This understanding of the law is this bondage that you have to keep in order for salvation to occur in your life because that is totally destroying you. But then verse 13, it says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So so you've been set free in order that you may serve others. And then it says this, Verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. How many words? One word. And then it gives a whole sentence. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law can be summarized. Paul says, just like Jesus had said, in one simple word, love, which has been totally misunderstood in our culture, totally ransacked. So really we should use, uh, maybe a word like Ty Gibson uses, relational integrity, a, a faithfulness towards others of and above yourself to, to be other focused rather than selfish is really the picture of love to love your neighbor as yourself. So Thomas Jefferson had had written into the Declaration of Independence initially this idea that the, the slaves should be freed. And it would have actually led to an abolitionist movement. It's a beautiful thing to recognize about how he saw intellectually that all men were created equal and they have rights. And he went on to oppose it publicly throughout his life. Here are some of the things that he said. Uh, Throughout his life, Thomas Jefferson was publicly a consistent opponent of slavery, calling it moral depravity and a hideous blot. He believed that slavery presented the greatest threat to the survival of the new American nation. Jefferson also thought that slavery was contrary to the laws of nature which decreed that everyone had a right to personal liberty. These views were radical in a world where unfree labor was the norm. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he grasped the fact that what he had written there was that, hey, everybody has written, it, it, every person is created equal and they have these rights. And so publicly, he championed this for a little while. Have you ever come on a truth and you get excited about it and you live that truth, you're excited to... And then it becomes old hat to you. And you still know it. But in practice, maybe it never quite reached your heart. (laughs) Because, friends, Thomas Jefferson employed 600 slaves throughout his lifetime. He invited his his he invited people to his mansion. They were served by free labor and he hid it all behind the scenes. In fact, historians only have found one person who ever saw the shacks that the negroes lived in. He said specifically to his architect that, hey, these things should be hidden. And you have to wonder, okay, so he got it, and yet he continued with societal societal norms, despite the fact that he recognized how heinous slavery was. I have to ask myself the question, because I see this as a repetition throughout history. I, you think about it. You have Martin Luther, the Protestant Reformation. He calls out the papacy and, and all of the, their grave sins. And because of that, we have Protestants who come out and they end up forming the United States. And, and we can thank God for Martin Luther because we wouldn't have religious freedom today. We wouldn't have our understanding of the gospel. I mean, maybe God would have brought it about some other way. but And yet you look at some of the things that Martin Luther believed and taught. He was by no means perfect. We can't stop where any of our prior people have come to in bringing us to a recognition of who God is. And we can't stop with how far we've come in recognizing the love of God and how that impacts how we treat the world around us. I'm thankful that Although, if you read about the Founding Fathers, there were over 40 of those who signed that Declaration of Independence who actively had slaves. How do you do that? How do you sign this, this document that, that, that is to found your new nation saying that King George III is this terrible person, and it says all men are created equal? Well, some in the South actually asked for it to be changed change to be all free men are created equal. But that wasn't how it was written. And I praise God for that. I believe that God had a hand in in the Declaration of Independence because it is beautiful and it is powerful to live by. But yet, 40 out of the almost 60, over 40 had slaves. But that's not the whole story. Because there were some that began to see the light. There were some who changed their course. There were people like George Washington who eventually let his slaves go free. There were others who fought for slavery to be totally banished, at least in the North. They made efforts to buck the trends of society. And I believe that's because they recognized the truth that they had signed the dotted line on that all men are created equal. There's a Creator God who loves the person down the street. Just as he, much as he loves me. And I want to treat them the way that I would want to be treated. You know, I'm really passionate about myself and us, especially those of us who are Seventh-day Adventists. If you're joining us for the first time, just welcome. We're glad that you're here. I just especially want to talk about when we recognize the importance of the Seventh-day Sabbath, when we recognize the importance of the love of God, does that go from head to heart to our actions I believe that that's why God came to Ezekiel and he says hey I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you I'm going to take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh they understood about the law of God but he said I'm going to cause you to walk in my judgments and to keep them I'm going to give you such freedom that you're going to have the law of liberty in your heart and you're going to delight to do my will I believe that's why he said hey I, in the new covenant I'm going to write my law the same law of love on your hearts that you can truly love. But you look at how they treated all of that. They The, the Jews knew that very well. But you go to, to Luke chapter 13, and you see Jesus taking what I believe is the seventh-day Sabbath is, is like a declaration of independence and writing what had been become so wrong. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10, it says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Just picture what this is like. I mean, this lady, I don't know how severe it was, but imagine trying to live your entire life, you're bent over and, and you have to ask people to reach up to the next shelf. And it'd be really awkward to try to speak to you like that all the time or to try to do many things in life. Maybe she was in a lot of pain. I'm not sure. But when Jesus saw her, verse 12 says, He called her to to Him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And He laid His hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Eighteen years she'd been burdened with this spirit of infirmity that had doubled her over And Jesus, when He sees that, He says, no way, I'm not letting that continue. I'm here to give liberty. I'm here to set people free. I'm here to make lives better. You are set free from that burden in your life. Friends, I believe that the world is really burdened right now. I know from talking to some of you that some of you are really burdened. Maybe you came to church today just feeling like you could barely look up because the burdens of life are crushing you. The fears of life. The the wondering what's going to happen next in this planet. And and things aren't necessarily going to get better according to Bible prophecy. Maybe they will for a while, but ultimately, this planet is headed towards destruction. And that reality can be a crushing burden in our lives. But Jesus is here this morning to say, hey, I want you to have rest. Come to when you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let that sink in. My burden is light. Can that just help you to stand up a little straighter? Maybe it's the stuff at home. Maybe it's the financial burdens. Maybe it's family things that you're going through. Maybe it's fears for the future. But just stand up a little straighter today saying, Jesus has told me that I have given you a burden that is light. Just come to me and I'll give you rest. Be sheltered under my wings. But look at what happens in verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue answered. And and you think, hey, he's got to rejoice. Church has just seen a miracle. This beautiful thing has just happened. He says he answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. You see, he had the truth up here. You're not to work more than six days a week. But he didn't realize what it was all about in giving liberty and setting the captives free. That's what the law of God was given for. That's what the Sabbath was given for. It was to give you freedom in Christ, to be set free from your financial cares, from your worries at work. All of those things for 24 hours where you can experience a little tiny sliver of what heaven is like and just rejoice in the salvation of a God who loves you more than his own existence. So much so that it drove him to lay down his life for you and your sins on the cross. You know, there's few things that make Jesus really upset in the Gospels. The times when I find him the most upset, in fact, one of the only other times where it actually says Jesus got angry, was with a withered man who had his hand healed on sabbath in the synagogue and they were looking to see if he was going to really heal that withered hand well look at how he responds here the lord then answered him and said hypocrites do not each one of you on the sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it so ought not this woman being a daughter of abraham whom satan has bound and then he just interjects he says whom satan has bound think of it And you hear Jesus' voice. Think of it. This woman for 18 years. Have you really thought about it? 18 years. She's been burdened by this. And you are abusing the entire picture of who I am and what the law of God is about. For 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. When he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Isn't that such a beautiful picture of Jesus? A beautiful picture of what the Sabbath is all about. It's about liberating the captives. It's about setting people free. I encourage you. Have you ever read Isaiah chapter 58 before? Maybe it's time for a revisit because as you look at that chapter that highlights in the Old Testament the value of delighting in God on the Sabbath, it ties it in with setting the oppressed free, with breaking our bread for the hungry. And when these things happen, it says, our light will arise. When we really let the law of God move from our head to our heart and we live it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Revelation, it tells us why things are the way they are in this planet Revelation chapter seven. It gives us a picture of those in the end who are going to come out triumphant on the other side of this tribulation that 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 may be coming soon. And it gives us a picture of what they are like and why they are like that. Revelation chapter seven and verse one says this: After these things, I saw four angels standing at the core, four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. This is a beautiful picture. It goes on to say, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, Look, please wait in releasing these winds of destruction. We as a planet have chosen winds of destruction. We've chosen, it says this in the Bible, that we reap what we have sown. The planet is trending towards a disaster. And God is holding it back right now. Things would be a whole lot worse if it wasn't for the fact that God said, hang on, just a minute, don't let those winds blow yet. And what is he waiting for? He's waiting to do an action in your life, in my life, in every person who will consent to His government, like the Declaration of Independence says, who will accept His law of love, who will recognize that we want to love Him because He first loved us and we want to love our neighbor in the same way that Jesus has loved us. And there's going to be a settling further and further into a recognition of that truth and specifically of accepting The freedom that comes through the Sabbath. If you haven't really been appreciating the gift of the Sabbath and the freedom that that gives from the enslavement of the world around you, I just want to invite you, take that into yourself and experience it on a weekly basis. Set aside that time. Because we are burdened as a society. I I just read an article this past week where it said, hey, as far as news articles, people and, and seeing news, I guess, on TV too, people are basically reaching maximum capacity for what they can process. That's what they're doing in their spare time. Then you have uh, work. Then you have taking care of your family. Then you have your financial concerns. You have all of these different burdens in your life. And God is saying to you, I want you to recognize that I have come to set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want you to appreciate this beautiful day that I've given to you. And the awesome thing is, That we don't just get it once a year on the 4th of July. but We get it every single week. He wants you not to be slaves, but to recognize that you can walk in freedom in Jesus Christ. Be set free from all the burdens. Don't worry about your chores. Don't worry about your work. Don't worry about the financial pressures. Worry about Jesus. Actually, the Bible says delight yourself in Jesus and think about who Jesus is and what he did on the Sabbath in in relieving the burdens of the oppressed. And some of you, I've seen your eyes light up the most when you're at the Hope Clinic and you're helping people. The Sabbath is all about setting people free, about relieving those who are oppressed. That's what the Declaration of Independence was designed to do too. But the Founding Fathers forgot that. Some of them at least. Or or they understood it up here, but they let society just kind of carry them along. And I'm not here to judge them because what they did for this country is fantastic and incredible. And we should celebrate that. But we also should not cling to any semblance of what they allowed to take place because of their culture. We should lead the way in setting the oppressed free and letting the captive go in righting wrongs around us in our personal life. We have the opportunity to see a person in need and to love them the way that we wish that they would love us. You have more money than somebody? Think about what you wish that that richer person down the street would do for you. And go and do it for somebody else. That's the reality of what Jesus tells us to do. You have more education than somebody? Think about what you wish that somebody else who had more education than you would do and how they would come to you and come alongside you and, and give you some, some lessons about life and, and pull up next to somebody and help them to learn how to live life. Friends, if we miss this, we miss everything, though we may understand about the Seventh-day Sabbath, though we may under, even understand that that has to do with the seal of God, if we do not embrace His character of love, in our hearts and lived out for the world around us then we won't be sealed and in the end we're going to be dreadfully disappointed because we have not consented to a government of love we've chosen a government of selfishness in conclusion I just wanted to share something that was uh, noted in our Sabbath school this morning it's in the Sabbath school lesson for this past week if you I haven't joined our Sabbath school before. We have it every morning at 9.30 on Zoom. Mark Finley has written this quarter's one, and it's on making friends for God. It's a great one to read, learning how to make friends for God. And he said this. He said, has anyone ever asked you, how is your day going? Or is everything all right with you today? This past week, Lee and I were taking the girls on an evening walk, and we were walking down Main Street in Templeton, and this guy comes past, and he's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, great, how's it going with you? And he's nearly past me at that point. He says, I'm not doing so well. And it shocked me because you never hear somebody say that. But he said that and I thought, man, what do I do right now? I'm kind of frozen in my track. I'm like, I'm so sorry, man. And he just kept on walking. And Lee and I were praying for him, asking God, like, what do we do? And I I wish that I had jumped on the opportunity sooner to, to figure out what he needed, what was going on in his life. But then... Mark Finley switches the tables and he says, what if you ask God those questions? God, how's your day going? What kind of response do you think you would receive? Possibly it would be like this. My day has been extremely difficult. Tears filled my eyes as 1,000 refugee camps filled with cold, hungry, crying children. I walked the streets of the world's crowded cities and wept with the homeless and destitute. My heart breaks over abused women and frightened children sold into sexual slavery. I witness the ravages of war, the devastating effects of natural disasters, and the painful agony of debilitating, deadly disease. Have you thought about what's on God's heart today? Have you thought about what will help Him more than anything else? Relieve the burden of the oppressed around you. And watch as He opens up doors for you to do the one thing that the Bible says brings Him more joy than anything else. And that's to invite people to get to know that Creator who created them with unalienable rights. That they are created equal. That's the God of love that we serve. And that's what He wants for every human being on this planet. And I don't just want to let Sabbath be up here. I don't even just want to let it get to my heart. But I want to let the Holy Spirit write it in my heart such a way That I delight to do His will, and the world around me is changed forever. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for the amazing God of love that you are. And God, forgive me. I've been obsessed with myself throughout my life, God. And I'm sick of it. I want to be obsessed with you and with other people. And I recognize that I can't change that. I just invite Your Holy Spirit to change my heart, to create in me a clean heart, a heart that delights to do Your will. Father, I pray that for each of my friends who's here today. God, I thank You for the the testimony that we heard from Grayson about how our church is doing this in so many ways through the Hope Clinic, the farm. But Father, help us not to rest back on what we've done in the past. Help us just to keep asking You to take us deeper and a recognition of a God of love who sets free, who brings liberty, and who's not content until every captive is set free. Father, please fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.